Good afternoon. It's time for Boat Talk on our community radio, WERU-FM Blue Hill and WERU.org. Boat Talk usually is a call-in show, but we're pre-recording this one from home, so no phone calls can be taken at this time. Mike's going to start the show. Well, here we are trying to uh, get Boat Talk together, and I'm telling you what, it is not as much fun without having uh, a feedback loop directly to the audience with telephones and stuff, but we are trying to maintain the voice and, and uh, you know, do what we can do while it's uh, bigly strange times. So, um, I've said it before, the uh, feedback loop with the audience is, you know, this is the reason why we do this. It makes it uh, so much more fun and interesting. Um, telephones are gone, however, we still got the computer. About try info at weru dot org slash boat talk. They'll get it to us, or you can uh, try a more direct path, uh, boat talk at gmail dot com, or barefoot boat talk at hotmail dot com. And we would love any kind of uh, listener feedback, any kind of suggestions, comments, sometimes criticisms. Local news here. Um, couple of things. Uh, notice this one. A main company is slated to receive more than $3.6 million from the federal government for the development of tidal power system. Um, Ocean Renewable uh, Power Company in Portland, um, they have been working with windmills, for instance. I believe they're responsible for the uh, windmill that used to be off Castine for a couple of summers there. But this is tidal power. And... Uh, is being put up money from a federal program uh, designed to economically uh, competitive hydrokinetic turbines for tidal and river currents according to Shelly Pingree. So, uh, again, motion is energy. And, uh, you know, the water moves uh, all by itself to start with. Back in the 30s, of course, uh, Roosevelt thought about uh, tidal power down to Passamaquoddy, but it never kind of got going. Speaking of um, tidal power, uh, water power anyway, again, it's um, come back to uh, attention that the Gulf Stream is uh, documented to be slowing down. It is a thermohaline pump. It works on differences of temperature and salinity, and those things are changing right now. Both those things are changing. And... uh, it's said that in the last uh, 100 years, and of course they've been uh, measuring the thing for longer than that, uh, maybe lost uh, 15% off its fastball. And that will have huge ramifications for the weather. And, uh, you know, this part of the world, let alone Northern Europe, um, somewhat ironically, uh, it is said that the North Atlantic is one of the, uh, Eastern North Atlantic here is one of the, um, least warming affected bodies of water on the planet, and that's because of the Gulf Stream, keeping it cool. Um, if it slows down, it will uh, uh, definitely start warming up, and uh, more than it already has, with, again, not good implications for the uh, uh, Gulf of Maine, which is uh, a special uh, kind of uh, oh, uh, 
you know, a little bay of its own that is warming faster than a lot of other places on the planet. Speaking of the Gulf of Maine, uh, we were selling about $110 million a year in uh, lobsters to the uh, Europeans before the tariffs went in and uh, took about half of that. Now they say the uh, European Union Parliament has voted to eliminate lobster tariffs on uh, U.S. That means Maine lobster. Uh, for our part, we uh, are cutting tariffs on uh, prepared meals, glassware, cigarette lighters, and uh, some vehicles, I believe. So, um, good news for Maine fishermen. Speaking of Maine fishermen, uh, another big one. The uh, uh, fisheries biologist this year, uh, for the first time in uh, 40 to 50 years, detected no white whales in the Gulf of Maine, none whatsoever. And uh, there's probably 300 of them alive. Uh, we get 40 or 50 of them a year in general. And this is the first year where uh, apparently they didn't come, partly because uh, the copepod population is said to be down, too. We're just uh, doing a uh, measurement on that nowadays, a uh, new science project. And, um, again, nothing to eat. They don't come to hang out. And, uh, of course, fishermen are very worried about increased regulations on uh, ropes and traps and stuff. And, uh, you know, sort of like when I first uh, was delivering boats, why I hated fishing boats at night, to be surrounded by fishing boats at night. Um, you know, uh, what do I do? Uh, where are they going? What are they doing? Uh, you know, I, you know. And as soon as I figured out how to, uh, the system works, uh, again, there are no fishing boats out there anymore. So we solved that problem. And, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing if the whales just disappear. But, um, again, they weren't here this year. That's, uh, you know, fairly remarkable in uh, a couple ways. So, um, also, uh, we promoted all the time a website called G-Captain. We all... Uh, enjoy quite a bit and uh, that is for professional mariners and it is all about the uh, business of moving things by water and uh, a lot of interesting stuff there they had an article um, a week or two ago about a Russian bark a four-masted uh, steel-hulled sailing boat very large one that the Russians the seat of Russians sent it through the Northwest Passage this summer and the captain was prepared for icebergs um, pancake ice, uh, you know, uh, pack ice, growlers, uh, bergy bits, all that stuff. He barely found any slush. There was no ice up there. And uh, it is also said to be behind schedule by a considerable amount on its refreezing this season. It's, uh, you know, again, said to be one of these things with global uh, climate change that there are tipping points and uh, that ice reflects energy back up instead of being absorbed uh, into the water, which uh, is otherwise going to start happening. And again, um, one of the tipping points where, uh, you know, the global warming ain't in the future, it's now. Um, California's on fire again, just for instance. And, uh, you know, good times on planet Air. So you've got to pay attention. And, uh, like I say, good luck uh, in the future there. Cho choose to flood over the fire, but uh, neither one of them are good news. So, um, yeah, 
things that are changing. Now, also, according to the G-Captain, must say, they are right on to this story, and the um, story was on there yesterday on the G-Captain. Did you hear the one about the harbor in Maine? And the story is that um, Dirty Trickster uh, Roger Stone, just pardoned by his uh, friend, uh, great leader there, um, was on the Alex Jones radio show December 2nd, and he said, quote, I have just learned of absolute incontrovertible evidence of North Korean boats delivering ballots through a harbor in Maine, the state of Maine. And if this checks out and law enforcement looks into it, this will turn out to be the uh, biggest proof of uh, foreign influence and in election. Uh, turns out the Maine Secretary of State says that's uh, probably not so. And we wonder several things about that. Uh, one, uh, incontrovertible proof. Uh, two, boats, plural. Um, were they flying the North Korean uh, People's Republic flag? Would the, did it say uh, hailing from Pyongyang on the uh, I mean, you know, how do we know this? We have this report from down east. Hello, Bert. I see you're working late, too. Yeah, just finished. Hard getting stuff done when it's this dark. Yep. I'm headed home, too. Look at that. Looks like somebody's coming in way late. Oh, yeah. Let's go see what they got. Strange-looking boat. Don't believe I've ever seen it before. Let's see where they came from when she goes by. They gotta be from away. They even spelled Korea wrong. We don't spell it with a K. No, and I can't make out that name at all. Looks like Chinese letters to me. Yeah, and it looks like they just got some freight on board. Yeah, uh, that's no lobster crate. Looks more like a trunk to me. Let's go see if they need a hand. Howdy, fellas. You need a hand with that trunk? No, no, no. Not, not trunk. Trump. Trump. We just leave here. Thank you too much. That's odd, but just leaving it here. Look, there's a name tag on top. R. Stone. Don't think I know who that is. Well... Whoever that is, they better get it soon. This rain that just is starting up now is supposed to turn heavy real quick, and anything in there is going to get soaked. Hey, uh, I reckon we'll hear about it tomorrow. Good night, Bert. Good night, Lester. And you can't make this stuff up because apparently you can fool a bunch of the people um, some of the time. You know, as we're proving right now with our uh, recent fake election. So, um, man, uh, and again, keep your eyes open. I checked the waterfront in Castine the other day. I didn't see anything suspicious down there, but telling you what, we all better uh, probably be looking out. I don't think they can sneak in and out of any harbor in the state of Maine uh, than our North Koreans. So let's uh, be on the watch for them. Just saying, G Captain. <laughs>
anybody can sign up for it. Highly recommend it. And speaking out on the water, um, tragedy. Um, a couple weeks back, uh, fishing vessel Emmy Rose was on, I believe, transit from uh, Provincetown, Mass, over to Gloucester, straight shot across the bay there, and uh, disappeared in the middle of the night. The life raft was found and a little bit of uh, wreckage, but none of the four boys from Portland aboard, and all experienced fishermen. And uh, they were a fishing haddock. I don't even know they were fishing at the time, and I don't believe, um, I don't think they dragged for haddock like that. I think that's a long line fishery. So, um, you know, what happened to them? Uh, did they hit something? Uh, you know, ordinarily you worry about a dragger fetching up and uh, pulling the back of the boat off and uh, sinking real quick. There was no mayday call, and again, those boys have disappeared in the night. Not a good thing at all. There was another uh, mayday call off of Port Clyde just the other day. Uh, three fishermen said to be missing. Turns out that is uh, reputed to be a hoax, which is in some ways uh, not as bad as real people being in the water, but a very terrible thing to do to uh, make a false mayday call. Is uh, man, it's hard to understand why anybody would do anything like that. But you know, um, so anyway, that's what's going on in the local area lately, more or less, uh, oak dock wise. And and again, we like some feedback from the audience. Uh, any suggestions about uh, what we could be doing while we are, you know, um, traveling in this uh, kind of patched up boat here? Uh, not our regular vessel, so. Mike, John Johansson, and I called Giffy Full, former frequent Boat Talk commentator for a short talk. Last spring, Giffy was at his daughter's place in Florida when the pandemic hit, and at his age, he was reluctant to fly back to Maine on a commercial jet. We asked him about that. Yeah, in a private, in a private jet, okay? Well, that's not bad. No, it was pretty nice. It was pretty nice. And I had a fantastic, fantastic view of the main coast. It was just beautiful. Yeah? Yeah. So much so, so much so, that I want to uh, hire a plane this summer and take a two-hour flight around the coast. Wow. Can I? Check in something that's totally different than boat building. Well, one of my big dreams the last few years has been, why do you want to cover the coast domain with windmills and solar panels when you have some of the biggest free power available in the world? Right, from the tide. Absolutely. It would mean if you just stop and think and calculate a little bit, you 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 got the narrows and re, uh, almost reversing falls uh, down there in um, you know Southport, Robin Hood Cove. Yeah, the, the, the current pours up through there. Okay. Yep. You you've got it everywhere. You got it in the Damascara River. You've got it what? in the Seaset River. Uh, you've got it in the, 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 the real powerful places are uh, right right up in in the 
Goldsboro area of Maine. Yeah, it makes no sense to me not to to use that power for the for the simple reason you could put generators, small generators on the bottom of these uh, tide rip places, and get free power. You know, three hundred. 65 days a year. Yep. Um, and it, it makes no sense at all. For, for another reason, these generators would be on the bottom and they wouldn't interfere at all with, you know, fish or, or uh, you know, other tidal affected things or lobster fishing or anything else. They, there's nothing to bother, you know, and, and, uh, you're not you're not sticking something in the atmosphere that's you know impossible to look at. And right. I, I can show you another little thing I've lost track of, and probably a lot of people have. But years ago, uh, people that made long distance sails, sailing in yachts or any kind of sailing vessel. You used to be able to buy a little generator that you threw over the stern and towed, okay? And and, and and it would charge your batteries, okay? Yeah, they have them even now because they use them on the, uh, the Vendee Globe and all of those big races. They've got these hydro generators that look like a little uh, uh, inboard-outboard. Yeah, something like that. But the the ones I remember weren't any bigger than a hairdryer, you know. Yeah, the problem with these is if they hit something, that's what they break up. But, you know, usually they carry, you know, about five of them on board in case they do hit something. Yeah, but, but the, chance, the chances of them... Uh, Really, the way they're told of hitting anything are minimal, very mm-hmm. minimal. And, and so the, I mean, I pet peeves. And, and the other thing is, the other one, I've got the personal thing, but uh, I made these uh, deflectors that I put on my boat, okay? They... Um, they're shaped like an airplane wing, and you rake back at about a, you know, I'm just guessing at it, about a 45-degree angle, and it stops the boat from catching lobster body here. I mm-hmm. have them on my boat now for the fifth year, and I have yet to catch anything in the wheel. Hmm. Yeah. That's Giffy Full, with just a short sample of why it's always fun to talk with him. We're going to try to talk with Giffy longer next month. Next, John Johansson joins us with a a boatyard report. Let's uh, talk about the Vindy Globe. I know, John, you've been following that pretty closely. um, Oh, yeah. Heard about the rescue. Yeah. Jean Lacam, he's the one that went to rescue Kevin Oskifia. I guess. I don't know how you pronounce it. PRB is his boat. I don't know what he hit or how much he, what he damaged, but boy, I guess she went down. He said he hit a wave. Just 
plowed into a wave. Yeah, but it had to be. That sounds funny, though. You know, those boats are built to go around the world, and they're they're usually designed pretty tough. But, you know, maybe he hit it just right, and, you know, with the forces on it, it just snapped her because they're all carbon. Yeah. Because well. he's, he's one of the top boats or was one of the top boats in the race. It's interesting because Lacan got uh, uh, rescued, you know, too, uh, before. He's been rescued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was rescued in 2009 in the 2008-2009 Vendée Globe. Uh, he was Vincent Ryu, I guess is how you pronounce it. And he flipped his over uh, right off Cape Horn. I remember that. Well, I saw Can we back up and establish how crazy these guys are? Oh, uh, they're nuts. The Vendée Globe <laughs> is solo non-stop around the world without assistance. Now, how many days do you think it's going to take them? Oh, uh, around the world in 180 days? You know, I don't know. Faster than that, but um, I believe they all all sail the same boat? No. No, they've all been designed different. But they they expect to do it between 50 and 60 days. Yeah. And I think right now they're uh, almost a, they're shy of a month into the race, and they're well south of and be and east of uh, uh, the Cape of Good Hope. And again, them are some. I'm sorry, I'm a sailor. There's some hairy ass MRFers <laughs> who are crazy to do such a thing. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, wow, pedal metal all the time. Mm. What but you know, the on? thing that. The thing that bothers me about the races is that a lot of it's computer done by computer. And to me, oh. no, I don't want the boat sailed by computers, you know, but it's interesting. And it, it and they do have a race where you can't use almost any uh, modern features like a lot of the high tech electronics are not allowed in the uh, Golden Globe. And there's a girl here in Maine that's going to enter the Golden Globe. She's not from Maine. She's from South Africa. Right now, she's in Canada trying to get her boat out. I, as <laughs> I understand, she's left, uh, and she's trying to sail down the Badur Lakes. And they told her if the ice hasn't come in, they'll open the gates for her and let her out. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite place for Badur. Yep. Yeah, she sails a uh, Skip Novak's boat called Pelagic. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, so she's bringing the boat back here to have work done on it. She doesn't need much done. And then she's going to enter the Golden Globe in 2022. But that's, do you remember the first one in 1968? How does the Golden Globe work? Uh, same solo? idea, same yeah. idea, but you can't, you have to have a boat that's pre 1988 designed. <laughs> and it had to have been a production boat. Can't be a racing boat. The, the right. rudder has to be attached to the keel. Oh, good. You know, I like, I, I'm a delivery seller. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, and she wants to do it. She's very qualified. I mean, I out of all of the people yeah. I've ever met, she's probably she's as qualified as any of them. Oh, uh, good Lord. Uh, and she bought a boat, which was interesting. It's called, and I can't remember the name of the model, but it's an Ed Monk design. So it was built on the West coast. 
and it was up in Canada, but they, you know, a lot of people looked at the design and said that it was going to be very competitive compared to the ones that won last time. What was interesting about the ones last time was that three of them rolled over. You know, they were able to get, I guess, rewrite because the winner actually was in mm -hmm. one of the boats that rolled over. <laughs> John, I have uh, been delivering boats for 30 plus years, uh, more than three hundred of them and uh what i've learned more boat in the water yeah a good sea boat yeah and again some of these boats have no no boat in the water and they tip over oh yeah like the, the vendee globe they're all on foils most of yeah. the boats are racing with foils yeah and the photographs are unbelievable if you ever oh, watch good lord <laughs> You know, and I post some of that when I see it, because I don't go on Facebook a lot, only when I post. And then I'll look around a little bit, and then I'll repost some of the stuff. But, uh, no, it's pretty wild to see what those guys will sail through. And and they're going to go 25 knots as an average. Um, I think at six knots, uh, <laughs> barely. Okay. You know, now, now, you're going to have Again, one of my one of my favorite places is uh, – Bedeck, Nova Scotia, in the Bredora Lakes, the Alexander Graham Bell Museum. Yeah. Man, if you ever, uh, I mean, one of the best ever. And huh. besides telephones and deafness and stuff like that, Alex was in the hydrofoils and built a couple of big cigar-assed uh, uh, spruce uh, round uh, hydrofoil things. They run in the Bredora Lakes, crashed a bunch of them, you know. Same mm -hmm. time, the Wright brothers are trying to fly. Um, like I say, good story, but scary way to go fast on water, which, yep. again, even with a big uh, engine, um, it makes a hard ride. I don't think fast. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> again, I've learned to uh, fear uh, high-speed motorboats, yes, so. Well, my wife told me my boat wasn't big enough and it wasn't fast enough. On the <laughs> other hand, uh, let's get her there when she wants. That's valid too. Well, mine will do 12 crews and it tops out at 17, but I never run it at 17 because it cho cho chews up too much fuel. Oh, yeah. Like I say, very thirsty. Uh, no, 12, very respectable. Yeah, you know, and it, to me, that's fun. You know, she's a 1964 with a 292 in her. She was a real lobster boat from uh, Jonesport. Everybody down there knows the boat. It was called Cindy Jen. Uh, she, she fished uh, uh, Reggie Alley under uh, up to about 2000. And before that, uh, Phil Alley had her out on Isla Ho. Uh, and that time, I think it was Geraldine and Bernadette was her name. But we put yep. her back to the Cindy Jen. Trying to remember who said on Boat Talk, it's uh, not uh, about uh, how fast you're going. It's about how much fun you have getting there. Right. For those of you who don't know about the upcoming America's Cup, the boats for this race are extreme to an extreme degree. They are amazing to watch, and they spend most of their time in the air and go very fast. Check them out on YouTube. Did you guys see the uh, the video I emailed of the uh, America's Cup boats? Speaking of foils, scary. 
scary. <laughs> Holy cow, yes. Well, I you know what they're looking for? They're looking to find what's going to keep an audience. Mm. And I think they found in the Crashes. last... <laughs> well, crashes always do because look at NASCAR. I mean, sure. you know, we, exactly. we, we love a good crash in NASCAR. Exactly right. You know, but, you know, today it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, what's your audience and how do you keep them? You know, I think all sporting events are trying to figure that out because they've all got the same problem. They're and all the sailboat audience has obviously always been kind of slight. So, you know. They're a strange bunch. Here we are, boat talk. Love you guys anyway. <laughs> you know, but what about cruising? I mean, you guys cruise more than I do, but are there as many cruises today as there was 25 years ago? Oh, no. There used oh. to be a, well, a lot of the cruise clubs, and they'd be mass cruises, and you just don't see those anymore. No. You know, and it's sad because I, and I wonder if the pandemic will actually help some of that, you know, because, you know, people maybe learn that slow down and actually enjoy life instead of running through it, you know? Yes. Thank you. I, you, know, you should see, it was very interesting this summer, how many uh, boat brokers were totally out of everything. They had sold everything they had. Stuff that had been on the lot for, you know, a year or two that was decent, gone. You know, now, admittedly, some of them are probably not going to boat again because it, they just found out it wasn't their thing. Maybe they also found out how expensive it is. But, you know, for the most part, at least they tried. Expensive. And, um, again, it requires a skill set you need to acquire experiences everything you learn from the mistakes of others but you got to practice and, oh, yeah. uh you know um reminded of uh, we was over to uh yarmouth nova scotia bringing a um phillips road design catch uh built in england in uh 52 uh lady that bought it was over in lunenburg and uh i was assured she had all the customs things in order and she didn't. So anyway, <laughs> we were under customs arrest on the dock and were forced to go back to Maine with the boat. Um, in between we had bad fuel problems and, um, you know, needed a, uh, raker fuel filter, which was hard to, uh, come by there. We met captain Cal weed. Um, a uh, Cajun fella, uh, no, Captain Cal Boudreau, Cajun fella, been to the North Pole four times, Canadian uh, Coast Guard captain, and he took us around, fixed up some, some people, but didn't get what we needed. And the coolest thing was we run into a boat down the dock uh, to walk up the ramp. Um, couple was running a generator, and it kind of cranked out. My buddy was a mechanic and I sent him down there and uh, he fixed it for him. And they started to run their generator again. And other people come to us and said, you know, it's not cool. All that noise on the deck. And can you talk to him about it? So I went down and hung out with him and uh, he says, bye. We have been campers our whole lives. 
and my wife thought we might like a boat. So uh, we bought this boat. We traded our camper for it. And two nights ago, we were in the fog off of Halifax, and we're hailed by a Canadian destroyer that said, emergency, emergency, you are, you know, eh. and we're damn glad to be tied to this dock. I'm not leaving it. <laughs> you are speaking about some kind of thing I don't understand. Come and look at my engine. If you can see what you need, unscrew it and take it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and he didn't have the right filter. So uh, it all made out for us. And the boat is for sale right now. Thank you. <laughs> Very cheap too. Uh, tens of uh, thousands, not uh, uh, teens of thousands, not what it's worth, which is uh, 50 plus. So see, that's, you know, that's the other side of it though, is that, you know, the cost of some of these boats are so low now because, you know, the old timers are getting out. The market's not there. And, you know, these people that are looking for an experience, you know, which is supposedly the younger, younger generation. I mean, what better experience can you get than bouncing around the coast, going into these gunk holes and meeting people? Oh, and learn how to do it. But the old fellow there, like I say, when he was challenged by the Canadian destroyer in the fog, he knew he had no idea where he was, what he was doing. <laughs> and, you know, you got to give it to him for that. But, you know, a lot of them just think that because it's got a key, you can turn it on and go. Yes. And if, there's wa if you can see water, there must be enough. <laughs> oh, and good Lord, what a good time to be a seaman with the GPS. You always know where you are. Give me, I'll take a GPS over radar any day. Well, the uh, only ups, the downside to that is, is I won't run my boat in fog without the, without a radar. Oh, or um, again, uh, at least somebody standing on the bow, which you can't see going, Hey, <laughs> you know, right. and again, no, not just, really I safe, just... but I'll bet, uh, again, the idea, you always know where you are. Wow. Mm -hmm. And your cell phone, you can get apps now that, that do just as well as that. You know, what is it? You know, I don't know. I have, well, I use C map, you know, I have every channel, every, uh, chart in the, on the planet's on your phone. Hello. Right. You know, I'm sorry to say I helped deliver two Navy tugboats, uh, YTB, uh, uh, World War II tugboats, Penobscot and Squin. Oh, yeah. We were going to Haiti. I only got to uh, Port Canaveral. Gloucester. Yeah. Did you get were, you, were you stuck in Gloucester for a little while? A little while. Yes, we were. Uh, I remember that. And it was very cold. I had yep. the... Uh, I had the suit, though. I was the warmest person on board. And again, we have fuel tanks com contaminated by water. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's why we ended up in Port Canaveral for a while. But fired by Captain Cocaine, uh, as I call him now. And uh, let me get back to it. Let me think. Uh, mm, tugboats. Uh, mm. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Again, I remember, uh, I remember when you were sitting in Gloucester Harbor. I think I've got pictures of you, the boats being there. Oh, I've uh, asked the lady at the boatyard for those pictures. She hasn't come back to me. Viking is Viking. her name. Oh, no, Viking she's gone. Yeah, uh, she's gone. Oh, really? Gloucester Railway. Yeah. Yeah. She, she uh, and, uh, Donnie's running it now. Oh, interesting. Uh, Plus, interesting enough, Alan and I 
thing that makes me most nervous in my world is the Boatyard Dog Championship <laughs> in uh, Rockland Harbor in August, okay, which we MC. You have stand in front of a bunch of people on a Sunday morning with Mr. Microphone and go, hey, how about that dog? <laughs> and last year, Vikings showed up with a, like, you know, 100-year-old poodle. And I thought she won, but she didn't. And uh, it was good to see her. So I'm sorry, you know, yeah. Yeah, she left, and I don't. I think she went south for the winter. Ah, good. But uh, her boyfriend is now. I guess their ex-boyfriend is running it. I can't remember his last name. Again, uh, a lot of woman. Yeah, let alone she she's called Viking. <laughs> well, it's in, it, and it must be hard to do what she was trying to do there with that shipyard in an art community. Mm. You know, but I don't think they and they. The other bigger problem, I guess, is is that it's controlled by a board. So, like, there's 20 people that control the yard. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Again, Gloucester, and and now we get to what? Emmy Rose. She was headed to Gloucester from Provincetown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking Mission of Gloucester, boat out of Portland, uh, what uh, fifty something, sixty feet. Yeah, she, I think she was bigger than that. All right. Uh, fish and ground fish. Was she dragging or long lining? She must have been dragging. Mm. Um, she left Gloucester. Uh, I'm sorry, left Provincetown and uh, headed to Gloucester. Straight across Cape Cod Bay. Uh, night with 30 knot winds and eight foot seas. I know that water. I've been in all them places a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, uh, that ain't a fatal night at all. That's a, you know, average kind of crappy night. And, um, uh, I wonder, was she on passage or fishing? Right. Yeah. And if she was on passage and went down and went down fast enough, she made no mayday. No, it sounds or, like she tripped. Mm, Define trip, John. I tripped. You know the if they were towing and they hit something, you know yep. she pulls the boat back or pulls the boat over yep. because otherwise they would have had time to do. And they were experienced. All four guys, I guess. Exactly. The boys knew their yeah. They knew their stuff, so you know, it's just a dangerous thing to be dragging. You know? At night, yeah. Middle of the night, oh, dark thirty, as we say. You know, yeah. all the things bad happen then. Yep. O Murphy's out 30. there. Mm. Uyghurs, I say. Damn Uyghurs. Most, uh, I'm saying, uh, despised, uh, prejudice against people on Earth. Chinese Muslims. I blame everything on them. I even tell the cat. You know. I don't even think it was you, Bear. I know it was Uyghurs last night, right? So, so John, have okay. you heard anything more about the uh, the three bogus fishermen that put out the May Day off of uh, Port Clyde? No. No, I haven't heard. I know we've got a port uh, safety meeting coming up, and that may be one of the topics because we cover a lot of that stuff. Anything that's going on on the coast, and I'll publish the minutes in uh, Maine Coastal News for people because it's one of the best meetings on the coast to go to because it tells you everything that's going on. Uh, 
you know, what's going on with the buoy systems, what's going on with dredging, all of that stuff. Anything in the Coast Guard, any type of uh, training that's coming up, it's all there. Is it a virtual meeting? Uh, this one will be, and I don't know if it's open to the public. Hmm. You know, but they give me a copy of the minutes and say I can print them, so I do. And I think it's good because, you know, otherwise nobody knows a lot of times what is actually happening, you know, you know, what's being dredged this year? You know, are they out doing surveys of the bottom again this year or not? You know, and that's usually what I get out of those meetings. Excellent. Thank you. This has been a pretty good fall for boating weather until just recently. Boy, it's been good. I just hauled my boat out last Friday. What a, yep. what a, what a fall. And again, good time to be ashore now. Yeah. There's been some times like uh, today would have been all right out there. But still, it's a couple blows and, you know, snow oh, and know. Uh, blows coming. Well, I sit in Searsport Harbor and we're open right to the south. Mm. It's, it's usually bills pretty good when, you know, when it comes up the bay. <laughs> mm. That's where you're. Don't tell me you don't place. land bad and worry about it. No. No, I got to... You know, Wayne Hamilton's the one that's the harbor master there with Travis Otis from Otis Enterprises. Yes. Yeah. And they know how to put a mooring down. And chafe gear, I've got it all. I don't worry about the boat at all. And it's fun to watch her, actually, because she's an old wooden boat. And if you watch the fiberglass boats, they jump around. But the right. wooden boat just stays pointed right into the air. Oh, right into again, the more boat in the water. Wayne Hamilton, of course, Hamilton Marine. Yeah. Uh, Wayne is, huh. I, uh, proud to say I bought stuff out of his garage. Oh, you did that far back, huh? Yeah. And, uh, again, Wayne beyond competent, uh, let alone, uh, you know, uh, has done good. So, well, and he's really safety oriented. Yeah. He really understands the sa the value of safety. And that's why you don't see, you know, junk in the store. You know, you right. better have quality product. Yeah. You know? And what a great story. You know, Hamilton Marine, uh, yeah. Main Coast, you've got to have stuff to uh, put boats together. And, uh, man, uh, like I say, done pretty good. Mm -hmm. So um, we hope to uh, – we thought we were going to talk this month to Leroy Weed from Stonington, Maine the newest YouTube star, Ask Leroy. And this is based from the uh, Center for Coastal Information, our friend uh, Paul Anderson. Um, and uh, we were hoping to Zoom with Leroy. The funny thing about Leroy, a 70-something retired lobsterman with a pretty uh, self-deprecating sense of humor and, uh, you know, knows what he's talking about takes questions, answered it, and uh, become a big YouTube star. <laughs> People come up to him on the waterfront and go, oh, it's a famous guy. You know, he likes that. Again, we like feedback from Boat Talk, and it's missing right now. So um, we're going to do Leroy, but there's an outbreak at the Deer Isle Nursing Home, and yep. the uh, Center for... Coastal information is under a, uh, you know, quarantine. So, right. no Leroy. 
And the here's the punchline. Leroy, being an internet, uh, like I say, sensation, will tell you right up, I don't have that interweb. You know, nothing to do <laughs> with him. Uh, we're going to set that up through Paul Anderson. Uh, Leroy doesn't Zoom. He doesn't have no uh, email, you know, like I say. He doesn't have a computer. Like I say, uh, what a beautiful thing. It's a... Uh, no, now, now, well, now. I couldn't do what I do without a computer. But it's a wonderful age we're living in. It makes us partly stupider, partly more connected. And, oh, uh, it again, makes, yeah, but look at the other side. I can do things that I could never do back 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just, I just finished up another database. So the new, the vessel database on my website, the International Maritime Library, is going to jump from 85,000 vessels to 121,000. Yeah. I couldn't do that without a computer. No, a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a miracle that Leroy can be, um, you know, funny and happy without it. So. Yeah. The boat shops are putting out their help wanted signs. Things are looking good around here. Yeah, it's really good. Everybody's like really busy. And in fact, I think in some cases, overly busy. Wow. I'm wondering how some of them are going to get it all done. I stopped wow. in at uh, Morgan Bay. They're very close to finishing off one of their 43s. And they're getting oh, ready. Oh, Gary to, Keefe. Yeah. yeah. They're getting ready to build a new mold, uh, which is going to be a 47. And then I went down and they've already sold some uh, 47, at least one. And then down in Thomaston, there's a great project going on, a 1925 or 26 schooner that was built at Hodgdon Yachts in, or Hodgdon Brothers, it, that was the name at the time, in uh, East Booth Bay. Uh, they've got Hindu. And if you go in through Thomaston on the main road, right across from where the prison used to be, on the opposite side of the road, you'll see that they're enclosed, there's a building enclosing a vessel. And that's her sitting inside, and she's going to be a total rebuild. Uh, and that's a great project. Uh, yo, going down into Stonington, uh, how many of you know Satcham? She's a 1934, I believe, uh, Swans Island-built lobster boat. She's got a dustpan stern, and she actually is used as the boat that goes out to Merchant's Island. Uh and she's now under new ownership, which is the the people who own Merchants Island have got the boat back. <laughs> and uh, Peter Buxton at Buxton Boats oh, has, good. Her keel out, has her keel out and gone. And they're going to uh, rebuild basically the bottom. Other than that, I think she's 27 feet long. And I am sure the beam is not more than six feet. Hmm. And I bet Peter can figure out how to get the keel back into her. He's oh, good. yes. He doesn't have any worry about that. Yeah. You know? Oh, and Jericho's up at uh, James Rich Boatyard. No, that one, yeah. Jimmy That's Rich, a beautiful 42-foot yes. bunker Ellis built in the 50, <clears throat> 54, maybe. I'd have to look at yeah. my notes. But the big one, uh, and we mentioned it a little while ago, uh, was uh, the Pauline. And, you know, it was said that the she had been rebuilt from the bow to just towards the stern. The pod stern hadn't been touched. So they didn't think they had to do anything, but they opened up the bow and they found that the, some of the wood that they used was not the best wood to have used. 
And so the boughs all opened up. They don't think they have to go back very far, maybe maybe 15 feet at, at the most, mm -hmm. maybe 20. So the boughs all opened up and also the transoms all opened up. So all the planks are off the transom. And it's really neat to look at her because it, she's got that pod stern. So that's all open. Again, Pauline was a uh, sardine carrier, turned yeah. into a, uh, quote, headboat, wasn't she? Yep. Yeah. On passengers, is, yeah. Yeah, the Barnes is owned her, and Joel White actually designed the, the transformation to what, you know, kind of a main coast steamer look. Right. Uh, but they're going to put her back to looking just like a sardine carrier. Oh, them are good boats. Yep. You know, now they'll be what? You know, you've got the William Underwood, the Grayling, and the and the and the Jacob Pike is still fishing, and that's a yeah. sister to Pauline because they were all built. Well, the Pauline and the Jacob Pike were all built at Newbert Wallace in the late forties, yeah. eighty-four footers. And then I was at Matt Sledge's yesterday. He's uh, Samus at Boatworks in Booth Bay. And he's finishing up a muscle ridge, 46 muscle ridge, and no polyester resin, all epoxy, and all oh. vacuum bagged, everything. And oh, that's, uh, again, in boat building terms, polyester resin is fiberglass, okay? Epoxy has more stretch and stick to it. Um, it costs more. Uh, oh, yeah. Vacuum bagging is to make the laminates and then put over them a plastic bag, suck all the air. I mean, all the air out of it and uh, get it fused all really good instead of, you know, throw it on, roll it out with some uh, quote air rollers, um, uh, yeah. ridged uh, rollers that uh, fiberglass guys use to make everything, you know, uh, become much you as know such. You know, it's funny is, is that uh, there was uh, one guy at a boatyard. We can't name the boatyard because we don't want OSHA to go visit him. And no. he didn't believe in vacuum bagging. So they put a vacuum bag over the hull that they were doing. They were laying down uh, laminates for the uh, actual hull. And they, you know, so they went around his waist and then they started putting the pressure to him. He became a firm believer in vacuum bagging within about 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, good Lord. When done right. Uh, but again, to establish a perfect vacuum with no leaks. Uh, yeah. Complicated. Yeah. Could be. So uh, again, more expensive, better results. Wow. Um, yeah. Good for the boys. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see the differences in, in, people's idea of boat construction, you know, and how it's done. And, you know, Matt does a really good job uh, putting these boats together. There's a lobster boat that fishes out of Cranberry Isle that Matt did. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but he did her, did her a couple of years ago and she's all done with epoxy. I've been called Mr. Goo myself uh, because of my <laughs> epoxy uh, fondness. So, uh, goo master yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway yes uh wish i could afford more of it honestly yep uh yeah but a lot of times when they put these boats together using epoxy you use less epoxy yes exactly that, in the last boat he did the lobster boat he saved two barrels of resin or yeah 
So, you know, that's a big difference. That's what, almost 2,000 pounds just in resin? Oh, uh, again, uh, huge in a couple of directions. Yeah. yeah. Engineering as well. Yeah. yeah. No, great material. Uh, again, uh, best glue. I also like the uh, uh, next thing to epoxy, which was always my favorite glue, thickened epoxy with micro balloons. Uh, now is polyurethane based construction adhesive. Um, you can get it at Martin's and, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you what that stuff, uh, sticks and stretches and says 50 years. Um, uh, I haven't found anything you can't use it on tile floors. Um, I mean, anything. So what is this again, Mike? Polyurethane based construction adhesive. It's going to caulking tube. Uh, yeah. And I like the big ones, the mega caulking tubes. Uh, <laughs> but again, you can, uh, Paul, your thing, operative word, construction adhesive. Huh. Uh, very grabby, very stretchy. You have to be able to expand and contract. Huh. Keep your bond, you know, not crack. So love that stuff. Yeah. Is it one part? Yes. And as I like to say, we put it on toast. But if you read the label, it says causes cancer in California. So don't eat it on toast. <laughs> I put it on everything. Yep. So did anybody see the special on Shackleton last weekend on the History Channel? No. Oh, that was that. really interesting. But, you know, I kind of wondered about the expedition people that were there trying to, you know, mm. trying to find his vessel. That was the whole gist of it. They gave some great footage of because they were actually filming the voyage of endurance, and uh, the, these guys were going to go after the uh, vessel, you know, to see if they could find it. So mm. they put an AOV in the water, and they kind of lost it, and had an idea where it was, and they located it and sent the ROV after it, and were able to retrieve it and bring it back. And then they took the ROV and put it in the water and went down, I think, to almost 10,000 feet. Ooh. And they had a major malfunction when the, because it should have gone, been able to go a lot further in depth and not have a problem with pressure. But it crushed a tube, which held the brain of the ROV. But it, because wow. it's tethered, it's easy to recover, you know, but it's dead. You can't use it. So, but then they put the AOV when they got to the place where they, because they had a really good idea where the vessel was because they had Shackleton's logbooks. They put the AOV back in the water. Well, didn't they think that they might not be able to retrieve this thing again? Here's a multi-million dollar AOV. And guess what? They lost it. Oh boy. I didn't think that was overly smart, but okay. It's not my money. And again, uh, uh, remote underwater vehicles and uh, automated underwater vehicles. Uh, Want to ever check out anything so good? Ship of Sea. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Ship of Gold in, in the sea. Oh, the, uh, the California? Yeah, California story. And <laughs> it was discovered by these, uh, again, underwater robots, uh, which are beyond quite capable than most people. 
I what I liked about that story was that they were able to actually get possession of that vessel because they brought up a brick. <laughs> Gold you know? bricks. Yeah, it was great that you know that you know they gave you that whole uh legal battle of you know ownership and yeah. how it went through the court system. Oh uh tremendous book. Um yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm sorry golden, I right? can't call the author right now, but yeah. yeah. Uh, again, underwater remote vehicles beyond capable, but again, they uh, are operating in an extreme environment and they have oh, troubles too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Next week, uh, this weekend coming, I think it's at nine o'clock on the history channel. They're going to go after Sir John Franklin's boat. Oh, please love Sir John. Yeah. Um, the Arab is um, the terror. Yeah. In some ways I'm a big fan of his wife who was driving I think she was. Yeah, the, but I think she was trying to kill him. Like I say, she was running the show and uh, she missed him bad afterwards and tried to find him for a long time. And, you know, now yeah, we but, have. So. But would you have sent him to the Arctic? He wasn't in what I would term the peak of health. Uh, you know, <laughs> ambition. Come on. But did you ever read his story? There's a book called The Man Who Ate His Boots. Don't know that. I might not know that one, but I've read everything I could ever find on it. Well, it was when he was up on the Coppermine River trying to find the Northwest Passage. And that is incredible what he went through just trying to get back the first time he was up there because they (laughs) almost didn't make it. They actually ate their boots to stay alive. Again, starved death. Yes. Uh, Happened more than a few times, uh, uh, including a major. From the Continental Army, uh, who tried to survey Maine after the Revolution, uh, yep. almost starved twice trying to uh, chain out the uh, Upper Penobscot River. So, uh, yeah, uh, old story. And that about shrink wraps it up for this year's boat talk. Think about supporting WERU in this season of giving, and stay safe. I survive the sails, sir. I survive the pits of fish and take some home to lie, sir.